welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by anarcho-capitalist Jeffrey Phillips. So Jeffrey has a YouTube channel, and I watched one of his videos on chaos theory and market capitalism, and it helped me understand for the first time how anarchy could really truly be implemented on the heels of a free market economy, free market capitalism. And it really has started to open up my mind to some really cool solutions. So I asked Jeffrey to come on the show to talk to us 
about um, market anarchy, anarcho-capitalism, agorism, that whole thing. Before we dive into today's episode, I am reminding you to and thanking you for clicking the subscribe button, liking, sharing, commenting. I'm also going to nudge you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. It is the best way to ensure that we stay in touch, that you stay abreast of my every next offering, be it a book, a course, a webinar, a live event, a what have you. And when you sign up, you will get a free PDF, five quantum languaging hacks for instant empowerment. I think that does it. Oh, no, wait. Reminder that this episode, like all of my podcast episodes, is divided into two parts. So the first half is free on all of the audio podcast channels, as well as on Locals and YouTube. The second half is available for my paid supporters on Locals and on Patreon. You can find those links in the description uh, wherever you are watching or listening right now. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half conversations, plus bonus content, plus opportunities to drop in with me, opportunities for illustrated swag, lots of fun stuff. So choose the platform that feels most aligned for you or both so that you can be sure to hear the second half of my conversation with Jeffrey Phillips and all of my awesome second half conversations. I think that does it. I know that that does it for housekeeping. Oh, one last thing. We had a lot of tech issues at the beginning of our conversation, but both Jeffrey and I were devoted to hanging in there. Our tenacity paid off. So I think after the first 20 20 minutes, um, the tech demons stopped messing with us. So thank you for your patience. It does even itself out. And okay, that really does it. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with Jeffrey Phillips. with like how you got on this path and how we actually met because it's so relevant to the conversation that we're having today. It was, I mean, I call those days now the last days of Silver Lake because it was like the last the last days when LA was cool. Yeah, for sure. And we had hope. Like there was, it was such an optimistic time that so many of us were like, taking the fossil fuel situation into our own hands and supporting one another. We had such a great underground going. And for me personally, I had so much optimism about how we were changing the world. So I'd love to know um, like how you got into this conversation and, and also your take on like what happened to the whole veggie fuel thing. Yeah. That's (laughs) That's a conversation I haven't had in a long time. Yeah. So I, was uh my dad raised me very uh different than most he lived on a sailboat um he was a a professional sea captain and a part-time paramedic um he'd work for like a week out of the month and then we'd go we'd go sailing and uh, deliver ships all over the west coast Um, by the time i was 15 i had uh sailed from alaska to chile um on sailboats um and uh, he kind of 
he i mean when you're when you live on a sailboat you're kind of always camping in a way like it's a very like uh rugged way to live i guess and it kind of teaches you how to be very self-sufficient and resourceful and so having that influence growing up um kind of just like the the and he taught me how to be a mechanic also and work to work on um marine diesels diesels in sailboats and so um, there aren't a lot of diesel mechanics and um after i, I was in a, a pretty big band for a long time and i was partying all crazy in hollywood um so after i left that band i had some money left over and i started um, the business where I met you, which was uh, a, a diesel repair slash veggie oil conversion slash uh, just a kind of any alternative fuel type of um, uh, business. It was like a car shop um, where I would do like I'd put diesel engines in, in cars that didn't have diesels and convert them to run off vegetable oil. And I'd convert uh, fleet vehicles to run off vegetable oil. I had a I had a customer that was a. Um, they're a trash trash truck company, but they picked up vegetable oil from restaurants. And so I converted his trash trucks to run off the oil that they picked up. And they had been picking up oil for like years and just had this whole field full of 55 gallon barrels full of it. And so I converted this guy's fleet. I don't know if you remember during that time, fuel prices got to be like five dollars for gas or something during that time for the first time ever. Like that's all that's cheap now. But back then that was crazy. And so I was just one guy in a shop, um, mostly working on Mercedes and like Volkswagens and just like, um, you know, trying to convert, trying to basically uh, letting people avoid the road tax too, <laughs> which eventually came around and bit me in the ass. Um, but the, the veggie oil thing is a, uh, you're supposed to voluntarily uh, pay a tax on it. And if you don't, you know, you're, you're basically using the roads for free um, which is like not, you know, the, the, the powers that be don't really like that. But anyway, let me ask you about that because was it, was it always like that? I thought that was something that Schwarzenegger did like mid veggie oil conversions, which seems so hypocritical yeah. given that his cars were converted to run on them. Yeah, he was, you know, Lovecraft, they converted Arnold's Hummer. I was down there helping him when they did that. And um, he was taking that thing around, showing it to everyone, being like, California is the number one green, you know, state. And like, we're going to be passing all these laws. And I was actually working with, um, I don't know if you know, Felipe Calderon is, he's the Mexican president, but at the time he wasn't. And I was involved with his family in trying to get um, uh, legislation passed to try and allow biodiesel um to be to be supplemented into uh the diesel that we have now which we have that now now but this is 15 years ago i was trying to get them to do this and we were getting nothing but pushback obviously because we're messing with big oil's profits when we're doing that um and so uh i i was like you know like i was really popular for a little bit there because i was you know one of the few shops that actually did that kind of stuff and i was very passionate about um getting biodiesel you know replacing the the petroleum-based diesel with biodiesel because it absolutely could have worked um now you get like uh they have like b20 now or b10 where they, they put like a little bit of vegetable oil in it and then the gas company 
um, gets a, a tax write-off. Um, so it's, it's not even really biodiesel, but they're at least supplementing it, which is a little bit better. But yeah, they, that was the whole thing is once um, Fox News came, not Fox News, CNN came by my shop and did like a live five minute piece on my shop and what I was doing. And right after that, um, all these inspectors showed up and shut me down. As, as Arnold Schwarzenegger was, was flossing his Hummer that runs on vegetable oil. To all these, like, and all the, as he's doing that, he was basically shut me down, um, just inundated me with, with fines and fees and, and I had to shut down. There was nothing else I could do. And that's really was my tipping point with the whole government doing their way thing. And after that was when really, I, I, I mean, that, that really radicalized me because I put like five years into that business and it was like the, the, the CNN, I got in on Discovery Channel and on CNN, and I was finally starting to get like some like, like I, I started that business at the pit of the economy tanking in 2007, you know, right before. So no one really had money to do the stuff that I did. So I had to be, be mainly become like a repair shop. And, um, and so there wasn't, I didn't have, you know, as popular as I was, as far as like that kind of stuff was going, CNN came around and Discovery Channel came around. Then, then that put me on the radar for, hey, this guy's doing something we don't want to be done, you know. Uh, and so they shut me down. Um, but it was very unusual to get shut down, you know, when you'd think they'd be like, hey, you know, like we want more stuff like this. Um, but what I was doing, you could go do right now. And all they want to talk about was like hydrogen was like 10 years out. And, you know, they didn't want to do anything now. Um, and I recognized that. So I started putting actual cars on the road, you know, and like, you know, Lovecraft was really big, too, which was really cool. Um, but they strict, they were pretty much strictly Mercedes and only like a certain pretty basic conversion. But that's how I think we met. You were going to Lovecraft for a while, but they shut down. And I think they referred you to me. Um, yeah, I don't remember. That... Did you have a? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just trying to remember your car. What it was, color was it? It was black. Um, Blue. Black? Was, oh, wow. A black turbo diesel with tan interior. And at yeah. the time, like, so it, I think it was around 2006 when Mocha was doing their big advertising campaign and they were taking over billboards. And, you know, I, I remember they had one over a strip club and it was like nudity and alcohol. And I went to the gas station and on the pump, they had one that said Middle East dependency. And it really yeah. like caught me to my core. And I was like, I need to get off this. And I bought a Benz and I took yeah. it to Lovecraft. And we had this like really vibrant community of people you know, driving biodiesels and other mechanics working on them and an underground, you know, recycled veg oil exchange. And then it really didn't last long before not only Schwarzenegger clamped down and it was like illegal to put anything in your tank that you weren't paying tax on. But I also heard from the guys running the underground veg oil exchange that they were getting like muscled and threatened by the waste disposal guys. Yeah. So it was like kind of from all ends and it really didn't last long that all, everyone who converted, like once they shut you down, I think there was no one left to work on our cars no anymore. Yeah. yeah, to this day. Um, yeah, uh, well, it was crazy because there's, 
there was rent their renders there are people who actually are companies that have contracts with veggie oil uh with restaurants to pick it up and and they pick that up because it's worth a lot of money you know all it needs to be done is clean and it and it can be sold again the same as like with uh engine oil um that's why the co companies go around they pick up the engine oil that's why like autozone they'll take back your engine oil because that's a dollar a gallon they get for that stuff still so the the idea of the veggie oil thing was really good and it could have gotten really big the whole underground thing because we had the um the underground veggie oil exchange had like uh filling stations a few different filling stations in town that you can go to if you knew where it was and you knew the combo and it was a very grassroots movement to try and make an infrastructure for veggie oil cars but there's so little veggie oil and it became so popular that um, basically all the restaurants are, are uh, got contracted up with these renders and all the veggie oil people wanted the oil, but it was like kind of illegal for them to collect it and they couldn't collect it over the, like there was, there was definitely like a bunch of, like if you had a source for the oil, you were in good shape and you should get one of those cars. If not, you know, it was a little, it was tough to keep veggie oil in there um just because there's not that much of it um because and then on top of that they have the renderers were selling it to bio biodiesel facilities um so they were getting good money for it and then biodiesel was like six dollars a gallon back then it was really expensive for actual biodiesel which made it kind of not very economical anymore and that's what they've done by raising the price of diesel in california um, it used to be, remember, like a buck ninety nine. It was always like a dollar cheaper than regular gas historically, my whole life. And then they uh, they basically in California we have to use ultra low sulfur diesel. So all the diesel that has to be refined in California has to be like double refined. So it's a more expensive process, than thus raising the price. So diesel is like more expensive than than even like uh, super unleaded now. Um, which is just, it, it takes the whole economical part out of it because it used to be diesels always get better gas mileage. Um, but when you're paying $6 a gallon, you know, at least back then, I'm talking old time, like $6, nothing these days for diesel. But back in the day, it was, it was, it was pretty nuts, but I rarely had any veggie oil around um, because I would use it. And my customers, whenever I get a bunch, I'd always have customers that would come get it or it was, um, and then once the the state started actually clamping down on everyone, um, there was just nothing we could do. Because uh, I, I got, I remember it was like the week after I was on CNN, um, like four different inspectors came by and gave me like, they, they had like seen it and someone called them and they, they were like, they were coming to shut me down. They didn't say I had to shut down, but they said I had to pay all this stuff um and would continue to have to pay all these things and like it was like they were just made it too hard for me to be in business yeah um but yeah the, the it was it was crazy times because everybody man because it was like inconvenient truth was out and the whole greenwashing thing happened and everybody was all about it and it was really cool um it was really cool to be like uh that like the whole country was like basically like uh, together on that thing. But then the economy tanked, the bankers screwed everything up. So, you know, that kind of quelled that between, I mean, the economy tanking and 
at least the California government um, literally putting laws because during that time we could do biodiesel, but then uh, who was it? Uh, DuPont. DuPont wrote a law, uh, made a law in California and got it passed that, that they basically said biodiesel would deteriorate all the fuel tanks that exist in California if you put in it, it that are underground. Therefore, everyone needed to reline their tanks with DuPont's product. Like this whole BS corporate, you know, like thing happened and they actually passed the law saying we couldn't hold biodiesel in any of the diesel tanks that, that exist, which yes, is biodiesel is vegetable oil. It's not acidic. It's way less caustic than petroleum diesel. So it was like, because I was working on that legislature and then that, that passed like right underneath us. They're like, oh, no, no diesel can be held. No, you should just be able to supplement into the infrastructure we already have. You know, hydrogen 10 years out because we need to build the infrastructure, but we had a diesel infrastructure and have for 100 years almost in California. So all you need to do is change before putting it. But they can that. And that's when I kind of, and then, then I got shut down and I was just like, all right, not do not waste my time on this garbage anymore. I'm trying to do things their way. Um, and, uh, yeah. Jeffrey, hang on. Jeffrey, hang on. You're, you're freezing up yeah. a little bit. Um, and I'm oh. wondering if maybe I don't want to miss your face, but it's like, the sound's getting a little bit garbled. Um, I'm wondering if there would be more bandwidth. Okay, has it now? Uh, say a couple things. Yeah, test, testing, testing. Um, we can oh, try. No. Yeah, we'll try it. It's okay. I can hear you. Okay, good. Yeah. I can hear you. I remember at the same time, like when they shut all you guys down and put the kibosh on the recycled veg oil, then we were going to Costco and then Costco started to jack their veg oil to, to uh, match gas prices. So their like, veggie oil prices yeah. were changed by the day, depending on what was happening with fossil fuel prices. Yeah, the, the supply, there was never enough of it. Like usually you have a market, market would fluctuate like that. And then they'd make a lot of oil and to lower the price to keep it competitive. But they raised, like, it was like, twice as much um yep. the regular vegetable oil was like it was almost priced enough where it was like 20 bucks for a gallon for a five gallon thing and it was like okay that's that's almost worth you know using but then then it went to like 40 or, or 30 i think um where it just like it became more expensive than petroleum diesel and that, that's that's their way of of basically just not making it worth it you know um right. Unless you have, you know, you like own a restaurant, you know, and you can get your own oil. It made it really, really tough. But there are tons of the cars out there converted that time. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm curious to know, like, how many, because, I mean, they obviously thought it was a huge threat to clamp down so hard and so obviously so quickly. How many converted cars do you think were on the road? 
I would be totally taking a shot in the dark, but I know Lovecraft did. I, I did at least a couple hundred. They did a lot more than me. I recognize almost every Mercedes I see in LA. Honestly, it's really weird. Like there are only so many of those Benz around. Um, yeah. And like. Oh, and pause for technical difficulties. Mercury is still retrograde at the time of recording. Thank you for your patience, beautiful audience. We're working it out. Hello? 5G, man. Are you back? Sure it's worth going to 5G. Yeah. Mm, sound isn't working. Not really. Oh, you're frozen. Hello? Oh, my God. Let me restart my phone. Let me okay. restart my phone. Okay. Okay. Hi. Can you hear me? All right, I think of that. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, we good? Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, okay. I don't usually ever have problems with my setup. This sucks. No, you know what? It's because this is such an important conversation. They don't want exactly. to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> They're hacking us. Yeah. Okay, so you got radicalized from this, uh, basically like a crowbar to the knees of the recycled veggie oil situation that happened in L.A., and so yeah catch us up between there and where you're at now then i started uh <clears throat> i did the diesel thing but i i got into like vintage motorcycles building vintage motorcycles and i got like deep into like riding motorcycles and stuff and through that i was with riding with this one bike club and one of the guys in the club was like super badass libertarian um that like uh he uh it's my buddy roger he actually um he got uh you know 1650 the the m the w hotel down in hollywood 1650 is it's like uh residential suites he got a residential suite at 1650 tore gutted the place made a stage and started doing Ron Paul meetup events uh, for the 2012 uh, elections. Nice. Um, and actually, I was I, I had first heard about Ron Paul in 2008 when I was doing my veggie oil stuff. Um, but he's like a Republican. And I was like, what is this Republican saying cool stuff, you know, but didn't really think much more of it. And then uh, so my buddy in this bike club is like really badass libertarian guy. And I started going to his meetups and I got like really into it because um, it's like it's a whole like, you know, get rid of all the all the, the alphabet agencies, the IRS, the FBI, you know, like get rid of like cut down because um, the, the, the libertarian ideal is, is small to no government, um, you know, uh, the free market regulating um, 
and uh, the, the people and the free market market regulating. And uh, then we get into the whole chaos theory thing, which we get into in a little bit. So so Ron Paul 2012 election um, was was about that the, the time I was doing the, the meetups and all that. And um, then we had a Ron Paul event at UCLA and like 8,000 people showed up when everyone else couldn't get 30 people to uh to a town square meeting like you know like he was like running against all these like dorky republican guys you know and he was like a really cool i don't know if you've seen any ron paul stuff he just this old old nice old guy to spit fire just like leave people alone we got to cut down on government he was a kentucky congressman like every year he sent back most of the money he was given to do his job um, because it's just not necessary. Um, and he voted basically against everything ever put on his in front of him uh, as a co congressman, which is like kind of like, if you still believe in government, you know, that's what our people should be doing. They should be voting no on everything, not yes on everything, because we don't have enough money for all this stuff. So, so anyway, so UCLA uh, was there were so many people that it was like, oh, we actually might win this. Um, and, uh, where I don't think we ever thought we actually had a chance, um, seeing UCLA and seeing him go through California and every event, like selling out with like people spilling over into the roads and stuff, um, was pretty crazy to see. Um, and then, um, then he got unseated, uh, the, the, the GOP unseated him and wouldn't allow him to be the one who actually ran against uh obama and so that also radicalized me because i was really pissed off because i put a lot of time and effort and voted and all that stuff um you know uh and they just you know again like uh crowbar to the knees with that one also um so there's a little saying that most most libertarians are are only libertarian for about three months be before they turn into anarchists um and what's the difference so libertarian anarchists believe in zero government mm -hmm. like whatsoever uh libertarians still mostly are minarchists which means they they believe in minor min a minimal amount of government mm -hmm. which most anarchists don't believe that that will actually work because most for the most part government is a vacuum you give you let it exist it's going to suck everything into it and become huge no matter what we do just because of uh the type of people that get involved in government, um, usually only psychopaths want that much power over lots of people. So, you know, you kind of gain a certain type of uh, deceptive person or you, uh, you attract a, a deceptive type of person to those types of jobs. So you have a bunch of deceptive people working for themselves, trying to make themselves money. You know, it's just, it's just a mess. But um, so I, yeah, so I, I became very involved in, you know, just like I became quite like an economic nerd, economics nerd with like the Austrian economics and the, the uh, Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard and that guy Robert Murphy that wrote Chaos Theory. So during the time I was libertarian and doing those events um, at, uh, at the W, I had a buddy... Uh, who uh who came to me and was like i think you're an anarchist and i was like ah, i don't think so like that's because in our heads we're taught that that's a bad word it's stigmatized very much 
we think anarchists, we think of a guy throwing a Molotov cocktail at a building, you know, which is like, in my eyes, people growing their own gardens is anarchy, you know, but I didn't know that then. So, so I had a buddy who was like, Hey, you know, you should watch this. He's all, I know it's long. And I'm like, two hours, Jesus Christ, that's super long. Now I wa- I do podcasts for like eight hours now. But back then I was like, geez. Um, so I ended up watching it and it was very, you know, I, you watched it. It's, it's, uh, we can, we could post the link. Um, it's a very interesting two hour lecture where a guy goes through the pros and cons and the answers to all any question you may have pertaining to what if we got rid of government, like what would actually happen tomorrow? You know, most people think and what government has brainwashed into our heads and what the media has brainwashed into our heads is that it would be the wild west tomorrow. Everybody would be killing each other, you know, that, and that's the the whole idea that laws only laws, laws are keeping us from killing each other, not us actually like our humanity and not like, wanting to to hurt other people it's just laws you know and it's it's that's whole the big government idea that everything is everything is held together by laws but really um anarchists believe the, the complete opposite that um there's actually a greater good to humanity not a greater evil you know and the the evil that we do see is 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 you know factory farming and war, you know, the biggest evils we have, the biggest, the, the hell that is on earth are those two things. And those are b- basically held together by uh, government and tradition and just BS. And, um, you know, and, and we believe if there was no government out there um, that uh, uh, I can get into the chaos theory stuff, but the chaos theory stuff's really cool. So most we've been brainwashed to think that it would be complete chaos if there was no government. But I believe tomorrow, if we got rid of government tonight, everybody would go back to work. You know, I don't think there would be there would be some, you know, misbehavior and there would be some bad actors for the most part. I think we would, you know, humanity would get together and just go back to work and we'd figure out everything in the first, you know, in a couple of months. But in my opinion, the chaos theory lecture is like the best, like, it's like, it's not perfect, but it's so much better than what we're doing now. And basically the idea behind chaos theory is that like, yeah, that all the cities, basically all the cities would have, we have would create their own laws and you would have the ability to opt out um, and leave these different cities where it, how, how we have it now, we have whatever they, uh, uh, whatever they figure out or write on paper in Washington, D.C., we have to deal with it no matter what. We have no, we can't just be like, hey, we don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this, guys, so just leave me alone. You can't do that. That is not freedom. You know, freedom would be the ability to opt out, true freedom. So sans government, where we have the ability to opt out. So every city would, would basically become whatever government, you know, like, like San Francisco would, would stay a very liberal place. You know, they, they, they'd, uh, they'd make their own laws. If you didn't like it, you could go to a different city. Um, you know, like, and what likely would happen, what would be that there would be insurance based systems. And that's kind of a, it's kind of scary to, to hear because insurance is also another kind of stigmatized word. 
um, because it's been used to do so much bad um, under the the monopoly of government. Um, but um, insurance, like basically, if you wanted to move to LA, right, <clears throat> you'd hit up LA and you'd be like, I want to move here. And they'd be like, okay, well, we require uh, this, this caliber of insurance and you have to uh, read you know, our rule book before you come in. So, you know, ahead of time, because all our, our court system now, they're like, oh, did they know that it was murder? Did they plot this before? You know, like it's all this BS, um, you know, in our system now, the victim becomes the victim twice when the person actually goes away to jail because the victim has to pay taxes to house that criminal. So right. they get victimized by the criminal and then they get victimized by the court by having to pay to house the criminal in a, in a camp where they become a bigger criminal. Like it makes no sense clearly no. how we have things now. Um, let, me, let me ask so you in the, hang on a second. I want, yeah. I want to ask you because I, I mean, what I appreciated about the video and I will share the link um, is that it offers like a practical grounded structure for anarchy that totally makes sense. And for me, in my mind, it took what was always this conceptual abstraction, like, I don't see how that would work. And it explains how it would work. But a couple things. Yeah. One, it is dependent upon insurance and contracts. And it seems like it um, it is relying on maintaining the justice system, which to me is one of the more fetid, toxic, uh, branches of government, which itself is completely fetid and toxic. So that was kind of one question that I had, like, we're really going to stick with this system. And but my question to you, given that you got turned on to this around 2008 ish, is I'm wondering if after what we've seen with um, like the Branch Covidians and the nonsense of the past three years, do you think that humanity is responsible enough? For, for this type of system, like given what we've seen in the past three years? Um, if I think that, I th well, what we've seen in the past three years, several years has been forced on us by the powers that be, i.e. government and whatever shadow government is beyond them. Um, so sans them, um, and we just, it would, it would be, it would definitely, there would definitely be some growing pains because we're right now, you know, when we see something bad happen, everybody just pulls out their cell phone instead of stopping what's happening. Right. Um, because we've been trained to call the cops, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So once, so in chaos theory, you'd have, uh, you'd have free market enterprise dealing with security. Basically you, I would hire a company that I trust to, to secure me. And they would, you know, uh, these, these companies, these security companies would be competing with each other, offering the best product for the lowest amount of dollar, um, where, where how we have now, we're forced uh, this low product for the, the most amount of money with government dealing with all the numbers. Right. Um, and they just let, you know, and then they don't regulate, you know, like, they don't regulate the cops, you know, but in, in chaos theory, you know, in anarchy land, you'd have a corporation that wants to make money and a board holding, you know, you're basically using their greed for good instead of for bad. Yep. You know, they're like, okay, 
So you're you're and and then this community is voting with their dollar majorly. We don't do that anymore. We buy whatever, we pay whatever we have to to, you know, government makes us pay DMV, pay, you know, down to lo local government doesn't even let us choose our our digital cable and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, once there's actually com competition in the markets um and government isn't allowing certain guys to get ahead artificially, um, you will, the, the free market will have these very good products, um, for the cheapest amount of money. And like where the naysayer might be all, oh, well, if, if the government's not re regulating, you know, this ketchup co company, they're going to sell poisonous ketchup, people are going to die, you know, but that, how, how does the board on that, that company's board expect to make money if they're selling poisonous ketchup, you know, like the market if set up correctly, will regulate itself far better than governments regulating things. I mean, look at the TSA. They they haven't found they haven't caught a single terrorist since 9/11. They've let a bunch of sketchy people onto planes. You know, the government does it. They do the they it's it's the lowest dollar, the most amount of work for the lowest dollar with the government. And that's that would be completely different with the government gone, not trying to artificially control the market. Mm -hmm. And how do we rectify the judicial system, which seems like it's a key component of market anarchy in terms of like contracts and accountability, unless I'm misunderstanding it? Yeah, well, um, in order to get like, for instance, I want to move into L.A. I hit up L.A. They say, hey, you're going to have to get this insurance. I get the insurance. It's three dollars a month because I haven't killed anybody yet. You know, like if I kill someone they drop my insurance and kick me out of town and I have to go live somewhere not as ideal, you know? So it gives you, it makes you want to be a good person to stay in, in, in your city that is, you know, like the insurance-based thing, it's, it's a little bit complicated, but once you get into uh, contracts and the judicial, that was the whole reason why I did that video again recently is because Chaos Theory is like from the 90s, I believe. And they didn't they don't understand uh, the blockchain. You know, there was no blockchain. There was no cryptocurrency. Um, I don't know if you know about Ethereum. Yep. Ethereum is like the second most popular crypto. It is its thing that it does is it's smart contracts. So a smart contract is I'm going to make a smart contract between me and my son. I'm going to give him X amount of Bitcoin on the day he graduates. I'm going to set up this smart contract to look online at his grades and if his grades are this give him this much if his grades are that give him that much and if he doesn't get good grades sends me the money back i can set this up 20 years out mm -hmm. this will happen with no other human involvement whatsoever and it will happen as long as there is still internet in the you know, on the planet somewhere mm -hmm. like um ethereum with the smart contracts, it's like it, it, it is banking without banks. We don't need third parties anymore. Ethereum allows you to download an app and get a loan instantly without talking to another human. So we're we in chaos. But we, but we do need third parties in terms of electricity and Internet, which the government still has yeah. their grubby hands in. Yeah, but they don't, I mean, if we're worried about like uh, with cryptocurrency, obviously everyone should have a broad spectrum portfolio and not put all their money into crypto. Crypto, yes, if the power grid somehow goes down 
and the internet goes down, you will temporarily be away from your money. But if, if that's happening, that means there's like a catastrophic, there's like a cataclysm going on because like there is really no power grid. There's thousands of grids connected and thousands of internets connected. And there's no one person that can just switch those things off. So at, at that end, I would say it's kind of, you know, you're pretty much safe from that kind of thing happening um, as far as crypto goes. Uh, like we'd have bigger problems than just currency if, if we're like losing electricity and um, you can trade crypto without electricity, but it's just, you obviously need it to actually transact. But, um, but so with the, con the smart contracts, um, the one thing that Robert Murphy didn't really, didn't really have an answer for, which is perfectly fine because we don't know what the, what the free market's going to give us in the, in the, in the future, you know, what types of products, um, right now we can only speculate, but most likely be very wrong when future comes around and shows us some cool new products. So they didn't know about, uh, smart contracts. So once you add smart contracts into the whole judicial, um, security system in anarchy land um, these, these contracts are 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 um finalized on their own like they you don't need humans you need a bank you don't need a trust you don't need any of these things it's something you do once on your cell phone um, and you pay some you pay a little bit of money to make it happen but it, it takes it you have to beg the rothschilds anymore you know so but basically implementing Ethereum smart contract, just smart contracts alone enhance the whole chaos theory thing like a thousand percent. And we don't even know what kind of Ethereums they're going to be in 20 years, you know, so it's like they'll be better products. And so it goes, tribe. We're still navigating tech opportunities, opportunities for patience, for trust, for surrender, for deep breaths, for big sips of water. Damn, I was on a good roll there. It, it's all good. Are you back? Am I here, you hear me? I can hear, it's a little bit yeah. garbled. But I can't see you. Um, pause for tech difficulties, tribe. We're back. We might be back. We're on our way to being back. Are we back? Hello? We're not having a sound. Let's see. Let me pause again. I don't know what's going on. Mercury is very retrograde and uh, the yeah. powers that were don't want people to know that there are sane alternatives available for us. Yeah, it's super funny. So yeah, so the whole smart contract and cryptocurrency blockchain element makes the whole chaos theory thing a thousand times better. Um, so that's kind of why I did that video the other day was just to put it, just to get the idea 
<clears throat> onto the internet. But yeah, there's. Can there, you have um, smart contracts without cryptocurrency? So what if no. there's like, what about the potential scenario where like you can't get internet access unless you don't, unless you have a digital ID or some sort of chip or whatnot? Like what about the scenario where in the breakaway society is going to be totally analog? Do we have an option for smart contracts? Yeah, well, <clears throat> what what our government's doing right now is they're headed toward central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, right. and those are those are cryptocurrencies like Ethereum. Um, but they're uh, the, each crypto does a different thing. Bitcoin is just simply a, a store of money, um, like gold. Um, ETH ha Ethereum has its smart contracts where there's um, other every other crypto does a certain thing. It's a software that that does a task that is better than anything that we have now. Like I said, there's there's uh, cryptos that you can loan, you can get a loan from. There's cryptos you can loan your money out for interest for, and they're just you just download them. You don't have to go to the bank. You don't have to borrow. You don't have to beg a a uh, you know a Rothschild central banker um, for uh, you know your future. You could actually get it for a peer to peer through um, these blockchains and you can't um, it these like a uh, Bitcoin, for instance, if you try and hack uh, a Bitcoin, um, like 700 computers will find out um, everything is is analyzed by um, there's something called mining, which is uh, you use your computer or you use a type of computer to mine crypto. And what you're doing while you're mining is you're getting paid to do all the, 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 the work of like analyzing all every, every transaction that's going through and making sure it's legit. So it's uh, oh, wait, Bitcoin's oh, never been Hold up, because yeah. I had over $8,000 worth of Bitcoin stolen. And it's like, great, over 700. Oh, okay. Tell me exactly what happened. Well, this is my point is there's no recourse. It's like, okay, it was stolen. So um, yeah. there was a glitch yeah. on Jax that made it so that the button was grayed out when I tried to move my Bitcoin to a hard wallet. So I emailed them multiple times for customer service, didn't get any. I messaged them yeah. on Twitter. I got a message so, back from Jack Support, which sent me a link to a Jack Support page. It was all fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I you typed got, my, you, but none of the none of the seven hundred computers who hashed that have my yeah. back. They they don't care. But, They're like, yes, you got ripped off. What yeah. happened there was you chose a a uh, a, a, a centralized uh, business to deal with. You dealt with a company that had humans behind it. Um, there's decentralized and there's centralized. Centralized is. It's a company that started and they're they're doing some crypto stuff. Um, the, the crypto that I, I promote is decentralized where it's there's no humans behind it. There's no hacks. Um, it's like Bitcoin's been around for 12 years. It's worked perfect the whole time. Therefore, I trust it. Um, there's no human behind Bitcoin because it's decentralized. Uh, there's like cryptos like XRP you'll hear is very popular. That is a centralized coin. That means that it can be manipulated by the humans involved with it. You, I think, fell, you, you got caught in a actual scam, which there is tons of scams, um, that are very convincing. And, um, but the thing is with crypto and why it's cool because there's no recourse, um, 
you have to you have to be careful about which ones you use and you pick. Obviously, there's hundreds of thousands of cryptos, but but decentralized coins are the ones that are the you know Ethereum and Bitcoin and like these these decentralized coins are the ones that I'm excited about. The centralized ones, some some of them have uses, um, and you don't always get scammed. Uh, but you're 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 there's this term in crypto called. Uh, not your keys, not your crypto, where you want to keep your Bitcoin on your personal wallet. You don't want to leave it on companies' wallets where it's like getting interest or something, or, you know, you're, you're, these companies want you to loan them your crypto, basically. And they'll, they'll uh, you know, they'll give you really crazy good interest rates um, and you can make a lot of money doing it, but you can't trust any... Um, you got to kind of stick with the big mainstream companies, unfortunately, um, if you're going to be leaving your money out places. Um, but so that's what, the is thing. The up, what is the upside of having 700 different computers hashing transactions if there's no recourse for fraudulent transactions? Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.